Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime. Really, the best way to describe this person is my everything. It's at Eric Dalala. Phil, good to see you. Good to be sitting next to you. We're out here in the, the land of 10,000 lakes. If you are watching on YouTube right now, you might say, what the heck is going on? Because uh, this is not our traditional Zoom format. We're not in the podcast studio. We are on the road. We are in the Twin Cities covering the Broncos' joint practices with the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I think uh, one of the lakes is behind us. Ben Swanson, of course, is behind the camera. Uh, oh, wait, no, it's a, it's a pile of Jenga blocks. A little bit more efficient than Ben Swanson. Since the neutral zone doesn't have an official sponsor, we don't have a big budget, you know, so we got to stack these things up on uh, some Jenga blocks right now and uh, just point it towards something. You can't really even see what's behind us, but actually the Vikings facility is behind us here along with one of 10,000 lakes. That's right, and we're still going to give you good content because that's what we do. We're going to talk about joint practices. We're going to talk about George Payton. He came home, Phil. Yeah. Came back to Minnesota. It was his first trip uh, officially, uh, you know, with the team in the GM role with the Broncos, and he had to come back to Minnesota. He had to see Rick Spielman. It was fitting, I think. He yeah. said that. He seemed a little emotional. I mean, it was spent a long time here, so it was nice to get his thoughts on, on coming back. But more importantly, the quarterback battle, Phil. It rages on. Exactly. So if you're watching on YouTube, it looks a little different, but you're still going to get the same great content uh like eric mentioned there we're going to talk about george payton's comments he met the media this week for the first time since training camp started get his thoughts on uh, the quarterback competition plus some of his comments last week to peter king uh talking about why the broncos went with pat sertan the second over maybe a quarterback uh, we'll dive into that just a little bit here so far it seems like uh, sertan has uh, lived up to all expectations yeah, I mean, when you think of the highlights from this week, one that stands out is him going up against Amir Smith-Marset, one of the uh, Vikings rookie receivers, and just put the clamps on him. Had, had no chance to catch the ball, didn't fall for a double move. He's been impressive. He's going to play a lot as early as week one. And, uh, you know, he's so good that George Payton said this team has gotten calls about their cornerback depth because I think other teams know how good he is too and that the Broncos can't keep him off the field. Broncos are loaded. They've been playing Sertan at linebacker uh, in some of these packages, so they got to get all these guys on the field. I think roster cutdowns are going to be really interesting uh, all around the league, but especially for the Broncos, they're going to have some really uh, tough decisions here with the depth that they've been able to build. So we'll talk about Peyton's comments there and then also uh, maybe start out with some observations from uh, the two practices with the Minnesota Vikings. That's why this podcast is coming out a day late, Eric. It's because we wanted to just really give you everything that we could watch both practices and then we uh, bring you the neutral zone. Yeah, you don't want to give people just the appetizer. You know, you want them to have the entree too, maybe a little dessert, a salad course. You, you want people to have the entire meal before you write down your review. And so it wouldn't have been right to do this on Thursday morning because the Vikings feel a little bit different. Vic Fangio, he likes to get up and at it. He likes to have practice in the morning. Then you grind in the afternoon. Vikings wait till a little bit later to get going. Yeah, that's been throwing a loop into our schedule because, you know, normally after practice, we like to get some steak maybe, you know, go out and hit the town. That's a normal occurrence when we're back at UC Health Training Center. But here in Minnesota, we've just been grinding all night long. You know, it's tough. 
That's right. We're used to it, though. Yeah, exactly. Eric, you know something? I realize uh, we've forgot to tell people the last couple of weeks how to get in contact with the Neutral Zone. Of course, if you're watching on YouTube, you just smash that subscribe button, like, leave a comment. We read all of the comments. That's why I'm wearing a hat today, Eric, because people were bashing my hair. Yeah, that's true. And just the negativity kind of raining down on you. It's... Uh, We've been called haters a lot in recent weeks. I don't think it's true. We just tell the truth. Somebody commented, they said that uh, my voice makes them want to rip their tongue out because they just can't handle it. It's so nasally. That really got to me. I've been thinking about that because, one, it, it hurts my feelings. But, two, I'm not sure what ripping your tongue out would even do to help prevent you hearing my voice. Yeah, I'd probably, if that were the case, if you felt that strongly, probably rip your ears off, keep your tongue. I mean, that's, you know, that's how you taste things. You still probably want to enjoy at least a couple of your senses if you don't have hearing any longer. Don't let Phil ruin it all for you. Um, Yeah, and, uh, you know, one guy, our friend Rick Owens, he's a constant commenter on the YouTube channel, keeps saying, this is terrible, I'm leaving, I'm never listening again. It keeps coming back. So, uh... I don't know what that says about you, Rick. We're doing something right here, Rick, okay, because the numbers suggest otherwise. All right? We get a lot of positive feedback, a couple of haters, though. Uh, but the other ways to get in contact with the show, 707-NEUTRAL. Leave a voicemail. We'll play that right here uh, on the air. So uh, make sure that you leave a voicemail. We like to get the listener, the viewer engaged here. Eric, you can also leave an email. That's right, Phil. NeutralZoneShow at gmail.com. Leave an email right there, or you could tweet at us. At Eric Delala with an A, at Philomelani with a PH. Kind of odd spellings. Uh, non traditional spellings there, Eric. I noticed that you hopped on a, a Viking show uh, the other day this week, and uh, they've referred to you as Eric with an A, so obviously they've been listening to the neutral zone. That's right. There were a lot of Eric's in that show. Eric yeah. Smith for the Vikings, Eric Kendricks had an interception, yeah. me, yeah. so kind of confusing. <laughs> It is. It's a very popular name, uh, Philip. Not really a popular name, and that PH just throws people way off. So, those are all the ways you can get involved with the show. So, we'll go ahead and get this thing started. Eric, let's jump in and uh, start with your observations from practice. Yeah, I think the first thing that stands out, and the Vikings people said this too, is that Jerry Judy looks like the best player on the field for either team, and we expected him to take a jump. And you've seen him play well against these cornerbacks. Uh, you know, for Denver in, in their talented corners. But to see him do it against another team, against another scheme, and just be so open uh, is just – it's really impressive. I mean, at the end of the uh, first practice, there was kind of a move-the-ball scenario, and Teddy Bridgewater threw it uh, right where only Jerry Judy could get it, and then he made a move, and he was gone to the end zone. And uh, sure-handed this year, but with improved route running, his speed's still there. I think he has a better understanding of the game. He's now got some bodyguards, Phil. K.J. Hamler and Melvin Gordon came to his press conference. I mean, he to me, he's been the star of training camp. I cannot wait to see him in the regular season. Yeah, you always kind of wonder when he's going up against the Broncos defense, like, hey, is this just, uh, you know, when they talk about, oh, hey, Jerry's so good, is this just like teammates kind of talking? Is it just a, a factor of him knowing what the defense is like? He's used to uh, some tendencies. But when he goes out and does it against a different team, that sort of uh, affirms the belief there that, hey, this guy is ready to make a big jump. And Eric, do you think it has anything to do with, uh, you know, while Justin Jefferson isn't playing,
playing out there. He is on the practice field. He's injured for the Vikings, but he was clearly the best rookie wide receiver last year. Do you think that maybe Jerry came up here to the great north and was like, I'm, I've got something to prove. I'm going to show uh, what, the, what uh, I'm capable of here? Yeah, I don't know if it has anything to do with Justin Jefferson. I just think Jerry didn't find his rookie year acceptable, which is kind of, you know, I get that the expectations were super high for him, but he still had 850 yards and three touchdowns. It was not a it's not a bad rookie season. It wasn't even a so-so rookie season. It just didn't live up to what Justin Jefferson did. And I think you talk about what Jerry Judy did at Alabama. He was just, he was incredible. He was one of the best wide receivers in the country. And I think his standard is, hey, I'm not good. I'm not. It's not good enough being one of the top three rookie receivers or top five rookie receivers. I want to be one of the top five receivers in the league. And we've, you know, Charles Robinson from Yahoo said he thinks Jerry Judy could be a top three wide receiver in this league. If he plays like he has in training camp, a Pro Bowl uh, seems likely. I could see 12, 1300 yards for this guy. I mean, he every single snap you're going to have to worry about where Jerry Judy is because he can beat you in so many different ways. Eric, you know, with all the success that Jerry Judy's been having during camp so far, Corlin Sutton coming back from uh, his ACL injury, do you think that Jerry is now wide receiver number one for this team? Um, let's see how Cortland is in a game, and let's see which quarterback wins the competition. Because I think if it's Teddy, we've seen him connect more often with Jerry. And if it's uh, Drew, we've seen him, you know, he's got that connection with Cortland from 2019. And I, I still think it's a matchup league. So from week to week, there could be times where, you know, maybe Jerry's in the slot and, and that team doesn't have a good slot corner and you pick on that guy. Maybe there's a week where your outside corner isn't quite as strong and Cortland Sutton can go up and make those catches. You can put it downfield. You know, maybe uh, the run game is rolling, so you got to stack the box a little bit and that gives Cortland some room to work. But I just think that that's what the Broncos need to do this year that we didn't see necessarily last year was if Noah Fant had five catches in the first half, ride that guy. You know, go back to him. Keep keep going with what's working. I'd like to see a little more commitment to it. You know, some teams do that. Julio Jones, for example, in Atlanta last year, when someone is rolling, or Darren Waller with the Raiders, when they're crushing it, they don't they do it until you stop it. And so would love to see on a week-to-week basis, if it's Cortland Sutton, if it's Noah Fan, if it's Jerry Judy, go to the guy who you have a matchup uh, advantage with. But, you know, I truly do think that, you know, maybe maybe by the end of the year, Jerry could take a step into that spot. He's just that good. And that's not a knock on Cortland. I just think that's how good Jerry is. But for right now, I want to see how that works out in a game because right now we're only seeing three snaps at a time five snaps at a time what what happens when you're playing 60 snaps in a game what do those targets look like Uh, not quite sure yet I I do think it's going to change on a week-to-week basis but overall it does seem like Jerry Judy is the most dangerous player on the field for the Broncos uh, regardless of what the matchup looks like you know he's got the size he's got the speed he's got the route running now he's catching everything that comes his way so uh, it does seem like he might be uh, the the guy that defensive coordinators you know if they say hey we're going to take away the Broncos biggest threat I do think that that's going to be Jerry Judy on a week-to-week basis Uh, Eric what did you think from the rest of the offense you know uh, we saw on Thursday they did some move the ball stuff they did some red zone work Uh, not they they didn't find the end zone uh, at least on Thursday yeah and one one last thing on Judy is you you talked about Hey, let's shut him down. Let's focus on Jerry Judy. You got you got to stop him yeah. first. You know, like they did that last year where they bracketed him a couple times, uh, and still he found ways to get open. So easier said than done. With the rest of the offense, Phil, um, offensive line I thought struggled a little bit Wednesday. There was a lot of pressure from the Vikings. 
Um, you're right on the move the ball drill. Drew Locke was the only quarterback that did that on Thursday. Teddy didn't uh, get a shot there. He did on Wednesday, and you know, a couple weeks ago, I think it was, the Broncos did that in Denver, and they weren't able to score. And Vic said, that's a doable situation. we got to do it. Teddy Bridgewater, Jerry Judy, the throw I talked about before, they did it on Wednesday. Uh, Drew Locke got close and then was intercepted. And then you're right, the other day, or excuse me, on Thursday, Drew Locke was was unable to get down there. So clearly that's still a work in progress, kind of some of those situational things. But that's why I'm glad that they've been doing it so often is because you need that work. Um, the running game, to me, does look solid. We hope, as we're recording this, we don't know quite what Mike Boone's injury is, but the Broncos do have good depth there. Um, and, you know, the other thing that stands out, Phil, is I think the defense is as advertised, you know. And and we can go to that in a second if you want. Um, but the Broncos' offense, I think, still a work in progress, but some encouraging signs. Yeah, Teddy threw couple of interceptions too uh, on Thursday so uh, important to note that because I think that most people who watch this listen to the neutral zone often they know that you're a drill lock hater well that's first of all that's not true and uh, yeah on Thursday Teddy threw two interceptions one is seven on seven but both in the red zone which is interesting to know because we know the Panthers didn't have much red zone success last year and so you want to see Teddy kind of take a step forward there because the Broncos if they want to win as many games as they can, you got to score touchdowns, not field goals. It's you know, it's a a statement that's kind of run its course. Like you say it again and again, but it is it's true. And uh, but Teddy also makes the biggest play of the day on Thursday, which is a forty-five yard bomb to KJ Hamler, whereas Drew makes the exact same throw and can't quite connect. And so Drew on Thursday, he didn't make any mistakes, no interceptions. You like to see that, but didn't have quite the same ability to move the ball. And so you kind of wonder, and it's funny because we went into this thinking Drew is the guy that might throw the interceptions but also make those big plays. And on Thursday, that was Teddy. And so some of these narratives are kind of getting challenged a little bit. But um, I'm really interested to see what happens Saturday because I do agree that while I think maybe there's a little bit of separation, it's still not enough yet to make a decision. Got to see how these two preseason games go. And then I, I would make the call the day after the Seattle game and kind of move forward. Yeah, I think with uh, Vic Fangio announcing this week that Teddy is going to start that Seattle game, I don't think that anything that happens this Saturday will definitely solidify the, the case. But it may give somebody a heads up uh, versus the other guy. And uh, I think that the other important thing uh, for this week is that fans will be able to get to see for themselves if you haven't been able to make it out to training camp, maybe you live somewhere else, this is going to be your first chance to actually see for yourself how this offense looks with both quarterbacks running running things. So uh, I think that's going to be important from a fan's perspective on Saturday. Uh, Eric, you mentioned the defense there. Uh, they shut down this Vikings offense, at least on Wednesday. Uh, that's when I was watching the defense. But uh, uh, this is Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen uh, out there, and the defense did its job. Yeah, the run game is one area where I'll be interested to see how the Broncos do because you've got Mike Purcell in there. He's a big run stopper at nose tackle. But especially if you play a lot of dime, if you play a lot of nickel, if, you know, if you're essentially playing nickel as your base package, I'm interested to see how that impacts you know, the run game. And if teams can run on you a little bit, I thought on Thursday Dalvin Cook had some nice runs. Obviously hard to tell for sure when, when you're not tackling, um, not going probably quite full speed. So I'll be interested to see there. But, yeah, the secondary is as good as advertised. On Wednesday, the Vikings did a move-the-ball drill. 
the Broncos didn't have any picks or anything like that, but they just couldn't move the ball. I mean, if the if the goal is to move the ball down the field, they failed because the Broncos' defense was just lights out. Um, and then on Thursday, Kyle Fuller had a PBU. Um, Michael Ojemudia had a couple pass breakups. They, you know, they recorded their first interception against the twos. But maybe the the most impressive thing to me was at the very beginning of team period where Kirk Cousins and the Vikings' first team offense went up against the Broncos' second team defense. And Kirk started with three incompletions, then had to throw it away in the red zone in a team drill. So, I mean, if that's how good the Broncos' reserve secondary is, that should give you an idea of how good the starters are. And the tackling, what do you think that's going to come down to? Because you're asking some of these DBs in the secondary to come up and, and fill gaps, make tackles. Pat Sertan is going to have to come up there and you know make a big tackle against a running back. Uh, Bryce Callahan, th- that's what these guys are going to have to do. But that's something that Vic Fangio preaches. Yeah, he does. And I think something that reassures me is we know Kareem Jackson is a really good tackler. We've seen Justin Simmons get much better near the line of scrimmage over the last couple of years. Um, you know, you've still got Alexander Johnson in there at linebacker. Uh, Pat Sertan was physical at Alabama, and that's one of the reasons they liked him. We're going to have to see if, you know, can Justin Sternod tackle? He's a guy that's been in there for Josie Jewell. He's good in that nickel package because of his ability to run and cover, but he's not the biggest linebacker. And so if he's got, you know, if it's third and six and it's a draw, can the, you know, can he come up and make a play? That's something I'll be interested to watch in the uh, the preseason. And then some of these reserve guys like a Caden Stearns, we've heard Vic talk a lot about how much he likes him, how much he likes his ability to kind of figure things out, but he's got to show that he can tackle. And so, so that is something that we'll see, but I just have some faith because of Vic Fangio's kind of uh, foundation and defense that he's going to have these guys ready to tackle. Yeah, so uh, there's a couple of observations here from uh, the Broncos joint practices with the Minnesota Vikings. Overall, a good trip. You think the Broncos got what they wanted out of uh, these joint practices and uh, got some good work in? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think your offense got to see a different look, which is going to be helpful. Um, You got a lot more I think more snaps because you're working on two fields and so you're able to get a little bit more. Brett Rippon didn't get quite as many snaps, so more for Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater. Um, the defense got to see a quarterback that, I don't know, Kirk Cousins is probably a top 15 quarterback yeah. maybe, um, so that's helpful. And to see them shut him down I think was really encouraging. Uh, again, offense is a work in progress, but if you just showed me these practices and then said compare these two teams – I think the Broncos stack up well with the Vikings, and you know, the Vikings had an off year last year, but the year before that, I think they made it to the divisional game in the playoffs. Um, so certainly if the Broncos can get a little bit improved quarterback play, the rest of the roster, I think, if you compare the Vikings at almost every spot to the Broncos, Broncos look better at a lot of those positions. Yeah, and this is a Vikings team that uh... – is expected to make the playoffs. They're paying Cousins a lot of money, so uh, they've got some weapons there. I think that that is uh, the expectations around these parts. So if the Broncos are uh, holding their own here, that's uh, pretty good. You mentioned the work they got in. Gosh, the other day they got almost 80 snaps in. Uh, that's like that's like a, a whole game, maybe more than a whole game. So uh, we'll have to see how their legs are hold up. Uh, will hold up here for the game on Saturday. Uh, Eric, let's transition here uh, to our uh, big biggest topic here for this episode, maybe, and that's uh, George Payton's comments. We got to hear him uh, up at the podium the other day for the first time since training camp started. He said that. Uh, he feels okay about the quarterback position right now. He's not uh, nervous about uh, what's happening, finding that guy. He said maybe they have that guy inside the building. Yeah, and that was one of the more interesting things. Is he said, 
you've got to build, you know, he said the, the rest of the roster has to play better around the quarterback. You hope that maybe you have some of these foundational pieces, like he didn't name these guys, but I'm naming these foundational pieces, Jerry Judy, Bradley Chubb, Justin Simmons, Cortland Sutton, Garrett Bowles. Like those are some of the Broncos' core players. And he said you've got to have a foundational quarterback and you keep looking till you till you find one. And the fact that he said we might have one here is interesting because to me that either means they think that Drew can take the jump because he's the young guy that you haven't seen play well, or they really believe that Teddy can be back to that 11-5 and quarterback and, and maybe even be a little bit better. Um, it sounded like listening to Mike Zimmer, the Vikings coach, that Teddy's definitely improved uh, since he was here and had that good season in 2015. But um, I think maybe that surprised people, that he said the foundational quarterback could be here because... Teddy has seemed, maybe to me at least, like he could be a short-term answer, and I don't know what a long-term solution with Teddy looks like, but uh, it certainly seems like the Broncos are at least keeping their uh, you know minds open to that being a possibility. Yeah, I think most people think maybe like if Drew Locke is the guy, then that means they've solved their quarterback issue for the foreseeable future. And for some reason, people view Teddy as just a short-term option, but maybe that's not necessarily the case. Maybe, uh, you know, he's still got quite a bit left in the tank. He certainly seems uh, healthy right now, and uh, who knows what could happen. But, yeah, George, uh, I think he said all the right things. You know what I mean? Like he he's not going to say, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. Like there's a, you know, we're nervous. The season's coming up. I think that. He said all the right things. He said that he's been encouraged by the quarterback competition. He likes the way that he's embraced it. He also mentioned that uh, he's just a sounding board and that this decision will ultimately come down to Vic Fangio. Yeah, and I think that that has to be the case in some ways. Like, I do fully expect George Payton to, to share his input. Um, and it sounds like they're watching a lot of film together. They're checking out every single snap of each quarterback multiple times. The scouting staff's involved. The rest of the coaching staff's involved. Obviously, you want to get Pat Shermer's in, uh, uh, you know, influence on the decision. You want to get Mike Shula's uh, opinion on the decision. But Vic Fangio is a head football coach, and what this team does on the field is ultimately up to him. And I think to empower him, to, you know, to give him the best chance to get his team going – He's got to make that decision. If, if Vic Fangio feels like Teddy Bridgewater is the best option and, and George Payton says, no, you got to start Drew Locke, well, now you've put your coaches in a position where they can't game plan or can't give their team the best chance to win because it doesn't fit with what they're trying to do. And I'm, I'm not suggesting that George Payton wants Drew to start or, or Vic wants Teddy to start, but you've just got to be on the same page there. And, Phil, these guys are all pretty smart. You know, George Payton knows how to watch film. He knows what he's seeing. Vic Fangio's coached for years, for decades. I'm guessing they're going to be on the same page when it comes to this decision. Yeah, and I mean, it's just sort of fundamentally, this is how what they believe. Like, hey, the front office is here to provide the players for the coaches, and the coaches coach those players. And sort of... Uh, that's how you move forward as an organization. I did find it pretty funny that the other day uh, there was a little bit uh, made about what side of the ball Vic Fangio was watching during practice. One day, I think Wednesday, he watched defense. On Thursday, he watched the offense. And people sort of brought that up and made a big deal about it. I'm not sure if people realize that they watch tape afterward. And so, like, it's not just it happens in practice and that's all they see. They go after practice and spend hours dissecting the film. I mean, he's watching everything. 
Right. And one of the reasons Vic Fangio was hired as head coach is because he's a defensive mastermind. He calls the defensive plays, so it makes sense that he would watch the defense and call those plays so he can get ready for the regular season, too. I mean, he's got to know, you know, if I call this play, this works really well, or I call this play, doesn't work quite as well. What happens in this situation? Uh, and I think most of these are scripted during training camp, probably, but still, you, you want him out there getting comfortable with that. And yeah, he watched the offense Thursday, and then people are mad that he then watched the <laughs> offense because they're like, oh, he's just doing it for a show. Well, no, Mike Zimmer, who's a defensive-minded coach, watched the Vikings offense one day and the Vikings defense the other day, and it doesn't sound like they're having a conniption over there. So uh, I don't know what the – there's like a desire just to find something wrong with everything that this team does in regard to the quarterback position. It's not that serious – I mean, it's a serious situation, but, like, it's not a big deal that he watched – the defense and then the offense it wouldn't have been a big deal if you watched the defense both days because you can go in and watch the tape like you're mentioning phil i mean that's why they film it it'd be one thing if you like couldn't go in and even if he's watching the offense there's a chance he's not seeing something out there anyway or watching the defense he can't he coaches say that all the time let me watch the tape and it's not a throwaway answer especially from the sideline you cannot see nearly as much as people think you can see it's not like watching on tv and so that's why tape exists. It's a this is a made up controversy. Yeah, I mean, uh, just to give people an idea of what the schedule looks like here, it's like all morning they have meetings, then they go to practice, they come back, and then all night they have meetings. So like that is what the day consists of, and it's not like when Vic is asked about the quarterbacks, he's like, I have no idea what's going on. I'm a, just a defensive person. No, he gives you an answer, and then if it's something really specific, he says, I got to go watch the tape, and I think that that's a, an honest thing. So uh, I think that that uh, was the sort of the um, main points that George was making was just that, hey, I think that maybe, uh, you know, uh, we got that guy here, and I think that also uh, he's encouraged by the quarterback competition and how it's moving forward. Uh, the other thing we wanted to talk about, Eric, was that uh, last week, talking to uh, Peter King, Football Morning in America of NBC Sports, uh, he was at the facility and talked to George Payton. Payton, uh, in that conversation, said that maybe it's harder to find a a foundational cornerback for your piece, for your franchise moving forward. might be harder to find that guy than you finding a franchise quarterback. That kind of... Co- got people going also a little bit here and uh george sort of clarified what he meant on thursday well and, and i like peter king peter king is a great writer great reporter he goes around all there are few people i think that are as tapped in as peter king but some of this is because of peter's writing style whereas peter very he he'll go and he'll spend you know from watching he probably spent 30 minutes 20 minutes with george payton i mean a lot of time talking to him and then there's there's one or two quotes that are a line each because what Peter does is he takes all this information and he distills it down and then he kind of he summarizes it essentially and so in the summary George Payton essentially told Peter King we liked Pat Sertan more than any other player on the board which would include Justin Fields and Mac Jones but all anybody latches onto is the quote which is like you said it's easier to find a, a quarterback than it is to find a foundational cornerback and people just went berserk and so George had to to clarify that but I think just to start some of that is because of how it was presented and I think if you probably showed all of his initial quote we wouldn't have had this but George made it clear he does know that the quarterback is the most important position in sports knows they're looking for it but what it comes down to is they thought Pat Sertan at number nine was the best player there 
not the best cornerback, not the best wide receiver, you know, not out of the defensive players. They thought Pat Sertan was the best player at any position. And that means that they thought he was better than Justin Fields and Mac Jones. And even if the quarterback is a more important position, if you don't think that those guys are the answer, you can't waste a pick on them just for the sake of doing it. Yeah, I mean, uh, he also went on to say that uh, he does uh, the way he identifies what a franchise quarterback means is that's a guy who, regardless of what's happening, can win the football game. It doesn't matter what the offensive line is like. It doesn't matter what the wide receivers are like, what the running game is like. Because you have that quarterback, you're going to be able to win games. To me, that means like Peyton Manning, John Elway, those are franchise quarterbacks that it doesn't matter what the talent is like around them. They are going to give their team an opportunity to win the game. And if he didn't think that Justin Fields was that, then he didn't use the pick. You know, and I think it's that simple. But, Eric, I think that it's natural to for fans to keep an eye on what Justin Fields does this season and just sort of say, okay, that guy could have been in Denver, so you just want to keep an eye on him. But uh, on the flip side of that, Pat Sertan has been as advertised, as good as everybody has been talking him up. Yeah, I think there's a scale here too, right? Because you know the quarterback is more valuable than a corner. Then let's say Pat Sertan has a 10 out of 10 as a corner. that We think he's going to be a a perennial pro bowler, that he's going to end up being an all-pro, that he's going to be that good. You know, some people, we talked to Champ Bailey, and he said he – this kid impresses me. That's pretty high praise. So let's say he's a 10. There, there's probably a level where you still go with the quarterback, even if he's not as good. If that quarterback's a 9 out of 10, an 8 out of 10, you might decide, like, hey, if this guy is um, Kyler Murray or if this guy is Baker Mayfield, it's still worth taking him there because of how good he is in relation to other quarterbacks. But but we don't know where that tipping point is for George. He might decide this quarterback needed to be an 8 out of 10 in order to take him over Pat Sertan. He might need to be a 7 out of 10. And more importantly, we don't know what he rated Justin Fields and Mac Jones. And it's probably not on a 10-point scale. There's probably something much more precise. But just for the sake of explanation, to me, what them taking Sertan means, and him also understanding that quarterback is the most important position, it means that whatever they graded Justin Fields and Mac Jones was not significant enough to outweigh just how good Sertan was. And so you're right, you'll keep an eye on Fields, you'll keep an eye on Sertan, especially in Denver, they're going to be connected, people are going to keep an eye on them, but you hire George Payton to evaluate. He's he's has his first draft class, he has his first free agent class, he's made some decisions to keep some players here you got to give him a little bit of time, and you've hired him to evaluate. So let him evaluate, let him make the decisions, and then determine later. You know, it, you're going to see on the field in a year or two as he gets some more people in if it works, if it results in wins, if it results in playoff berths, and if not, then you can say, well, maybe you made the wrong choice here. But for now, you got to trust the guy that you hired to make the decisions he thinks are the right ones. And on some level, what he said does actually make sense. I mean, there are, uh, what, like maybe like uh, seven, eight franchise quarterbacks in the NFL truly that can go out there and give their team to win, an opportunity to win every single week. You have to have that if you want to win at the highest level, in my opinion. So eventually the Broncos are going to have to try and find that guy. But if you talk about truly franchise cornerbacks, there's just not that many out there uh, around the NFL, and certainly we in Denver have seen what it's like when you have that guy. You know, Champ Bailey did it for so many years. Maybe a, a couple of years there, Keep Talib was sort of like that kind of a franchise cornerback. And if eventually Pat Sertan is one of those foundational pieces, then I think that the Broncos have made the right choice here. But obviously, 
you got to keep an eye on what happens with Justin Fields there because just because that's the way the draft works. These players are tied together forever. Well, and look at how the Broncos got close to beating the Chiefs last year in Kansas City. They didn't score 35 points. They didn't need to score 35 points. They needed one more field goal or touchdown essentially there at the end, but they just shut Mahomes down for the most part, and that was with third-string corners at that point because a lot of people were getting hurt. If you can have Sertan and uh, Ronald Darby and Kyle Fuller and Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson and you can hold Mahomes to even if it's just 20 points, you should be in a position now where each game is competitive. And maybe you're not winning every single one of them, but now Mahomes is looking at that game and thinking, this is a headache. I don't want to play Denver because their secondary is going to make everything difficult for me. And so, you know, obviously, even if it's harder to find a foundational corner than it is a quarterback or, and he didn't, in that quote specifically, he said foundational corner versus quarterback. So he wasn't comparing franchise to franchise. I think he was saying, like, you can find a capable quarterback more easily than you can find a franchise cornerback. And so if you draft Sertan and you say, we don't have to address that number one corner position now for 10 years, you go you go with that. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, that's going to be the formula for this year. It's Broncos team. They're going to have to play really good defense, and the offense is going to have to do just enough. Don't wreck the game. Don't turn the ball over. Do just enough. Get get somewhere in the in the mid twenties there, and hope that the defense is uh, going to do enough to win the game. And I just think that that's the Broncos' answer this year. And I think that. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why maybe George wasn't ready to go forward with a quarterback position, uh, a pick that early in the draft. And some people say, okay, well, what happens here if Teddy is like uh, pretty good and the Broncos are like uh, they sneak in the playoffs, then they're not going to be in that position to draft a quarterback in for a few years or next year, certainly. I just don't buy that. I mean, if you really like a quarterback, you can always trade up to go get that guy. We saw the 49ers do that with Trey Lance last year. We saw the Chiefs. That's how they got Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that was a pretty good Chiefs team with Alex Smith. They made the move up to go get Patrick Mahomes. So if the Broncos really like a guy moving forward, they'll figure out a way to get that guy. Yeah, and that's all about evaluation too, right? You're not going to be able to, if you were the Broncos this year, you're probably not in a position to go up and get uh, Trevor Lawrence because the Jaguars are not moving off that spot and you know the Jets would it would have required a ton of draft capital to get up to that number two spot but when you're in that position you probably it probably means you're pretty good right like if you're drafting in the late teens early 20s obviously the late 20s it means you're you're near the playoffs or you're in the playoffs or you're or you're winning playoff games and so that means I've probably got good players, which means I've probably got good evaluators. And so you trust them to then be able to look at the quarterback crop and say, okay, well, this guy may be, you know, a Patrick Mahomes. He's a little bit under the radar. Can we go from 26 to 10 or 26 to 12 and get this guy if he falls? And and it worked. You know, in the Bears, for example, they moved up from, I think, 20 or 19 to get Justin Fields. And, you know, they gave up a couple first-round picks, but if it works with him, obviously that's going to be worth it. And they take a roster that was near the playoffs at least and add a quarterback to it. So you're right. If you go 9-8, and 8-9, eight, eight and 10-7, and seven, somewhere in there, it, you could stick with Teddy Bridgewater. You could make a move in the draft and get your guy. You could add in free agency. I think especially now in the NFL, Phil, we, think, we see things change so quickly, and I wonder if that's just going to – keep happening with these quarterbacks who say I don't want to be here anymore you know is Rodgers available is Russell Wilson actually going to say I'm done in Seattle obviously Deshaun Watson has all sorts of stuff going on right now from a a civil investigation but he could be available next year so I 
I do think it's smart that you're kind of letting the options play out instead of boxing yourself into a corner, especially if it's not the guy you like. Yeah, and most definitely, and also from George's perspective, maybe on some level he was like, look, let's see what Drew Locke can do too because Drew played well his rookie year, five games, and then the COVID season. We, uh, we've talked ad nausea about that, uh, just talking about no offseason, first year with Pat Shermer. Maybe it's possible that Drew can come and, and uh, outperform uh, what it, the initial expectations were here from George Payton. So uh, I think there's a lot of reasons why you just say, let's take Pat Sertan and let's see what happens here. And uh, I think that uh, George really uh, clarified what he meant on Thursday when he met the media here. And uh, I think uh, what he had to say really made a lot of sense. Eric, anything else you want to talk about with that? No, I think we've uh, gone through it. I, it makes bottom line if you don't like those quarterbacks and you think Pat Sertan is that good you take Pat Sertan you could be wrong in your evaluation George Payton may not be right he may be right but either way you've hired him to make that decision he made it as as uh, George Payton said Thursday we're moving on we're happy that's it that's it that's it all right let's get to our favorite part of the show here shout outs uh, if I could, I'll just say shout out to the Broncos operations staff. I mean, they essentially picked up what was happening at the Broncos facility in Denver, picked that up and moved it to Minnesota. And the way that they've been able to uh, operate here, they've got meeting spaces all set up. They've got the training rooms all set up. Uh, they just really have done an amazing job here. And uh, this Vikings facility is uh, pretty special as well. Yeah, it's been incredible to be out here. And we've done s- several joint practices almost every year. I think every year except for the COVID year since I've been here. And uh, this was one of the smoothest I've seen, you know, in terms of what the Broncos were able to do, in terms of working with the Vikings. There were, there were a couple, like, little uh, shoving matches or maybe conversations between the Broncos' defense and the Vikings' offense. But I think a lot of mutual respect between the two teams that comes from, you know, George Payton and Rick Spielman are very similar. And then Mike Zimmer and Vic Fangio are pretty similar. I think uh, – Zimmer said in his press conference, we're both old and boring, but they're also, you know, old school coaches that, that get how to run a practice. And so I think this has been incredibly valuable work. And, uh, yeah, hats off to everybody that made it happen. Yeah, and also uh, hats off to the Vikings staff. We've got to uh, engage with their media department a little bit. We had some turf wars. It was pretty much just like Anchorman, you know, where we were rolling up for that first practice, and they were like, hey, just so you know, this is our turf. Yeah, that's right. And you were like, I love lamp. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then Eric tried to almost, you almost kill the guy. <laughs> I think that's what happened. Yeah, almost kill the guy. So, But it's been fun uh, getting to uh, work with the Minnesota folks over there. Uh, Eric, the one downside to being here in Minnesota, not really a ton of community opportunities for Liz Manis Geralds. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, no players here to be in the community, but looking forward to getting back and getting back in the community. And I'm sure maybe... Liz Manis Gerald has some Zoom set up or something like yeah. that this week that she yeah. could get going. So uh, hopefully she's making it through. Yeah. And then also a uh, shout out to uh, a podcast supervisor in, uh, you know, in training, maybe or in auditioning uh, Ben Swanson for operating the camera. Yeah. Thank you for sending these Jenga blocks. They were very helpful in uh, getting the podcast rolling. I like it. We might uh, maybe make this a staple of the podcast. We always do it outside every day. (laughs) Hopefully the wind hasn't been too bad for the audio. You know, that's what, uh, you know, I want everybody to be able to really hear the quality of my voice, you know, uh, not so nasally when I'm outside, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully nobody's uh, ripped their tongue out to help their hearing. 
Yeah, exactly. Oh, on a personal note, Eric, as you well know, my back. It's been it's been a rough shape on this trip, and I just wanted to shout out the Broncos training staff, really taking care of me. Doctor Mike Leahy, really a sorcerer, Eric. <laughs> Wait, I mean, Phil, when you carry the team as much as you have, you expect your back to hurt a little bit. But gosh, it's it's been bad. I mean, I've had to pick you up and carry you from uh, field to field. It's uh, been a good workout for me, you know. But uh, hope you feel better soon. Uh, hopefully we'll feel a little bit better soon, too. I think it happened after a long weekend in Canton, Eric. Both you and I were out there, and that was a that was a fun weekend, but it was also a hard, it's hard work trying to track down Peyton Manning. You know, we got to run all over parades and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's a, that's a that's a job. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, God, I even forgot that that was that, that it, we were in Canton since the last episode of the Neutral Zone. It yeah. feels like so long ago, but uh, shout out to everybody from our team who went to Canton. Got some great stuff. Uh, as you mentioned, Peyton Manning, John Lynch, Steve Atwater, Mike Shanahan, Wade Phillips, Akib Talib, Eli Manning, uh, Tom Brady. Oh no, 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 we didn't get Tom Brady. The the Golden Boy ascended from the heavens and landed, and uh, we didn't get him on that in that path. Yeah, but no, what a what a cool weekend to some good content for you, Broncos country, but also just cool to see Steve Atwater finally go in. You could tell how emotional he was. Uh, a couple of things that stood out to me, talking about his mom, obviously, um, who's passed away and couldn't be there, and then his wife, just clear how much uh, Letha means to him. So uh, cool for Steve, and then Peyton Manning, gosh, what a speech. I mean, started off with some little roasts. I liked that. Uh, hit Ray Lewis a little bit, got Tom, and... Uh, then some people think his application for NFL commissioner there toward the end. I'm not sure I believe that he would do that, but uh, you just listen to him and you're like, this is the expectations are so high and somehow he meets them every time. And John Lynch too uh, also did a, did a nice job with his speech. So yeah, some really cool speeches, some emotional moments. I wish the speeches were a little bit longer. I could listen to Peyton for a, a long time. Yeah. They did the what seven or eight minutes because of how many people there were. I, I, I like the limit. I like the idea of playing the music. Now, they weren't going to play the music on Peyton Manning. I think Peyton could have talked for 10 more minutes, and the music would have, the speakers would have stayed silent. But yeah, give him give him 15 minutes, because guys had to choose, do you thank everybody? Like, Steve went through and thanked everybody, which was great. And then Peyton kind of did, like, a couple quick thank yous, and Edron James did a couple quick thank yous. But you kind of had to skip thanking all these people to tell a story. I, I don't think you should have to choose. So if you had 15 minutes, you could do five minutes of thank you, something like that, and then 10 minutes of a story or a lesson. I, I think that that would be better, and you know, you still would get out of there in a couple hours. So I, I hope that's what they do moving forward. Hard to sum up an entire football career, a Hall of Fame career in seven minutes. So many people are part of that journey. So, uh, yeah, you want to be able to thank everybody, but also have a few stories, some funny stuff in there, too. Edron James, obviously very funny. Uh, started with gold teeth, ended with a gold jacket. That's that's a that's a memorable line. Uh, that's like neutral zone worthy. He was great. Yeah, that was yeah, that was impressive. And he, yeah, what he said, he was uh, looked at his gold jacket number and said that that number inmate he was in the Canton <laughs> Correctional Institute. I mean, just a, a really good speech. 
yeah, that was a lot of fun out there. So, all right. Well, hope everybody uh, enjoyed this episode and enjoys the game. Uh, we talked a little bit about our, our, our observations from uh, practice out there and then also some stuff uh, from George Payton this week talking about the quarterbacks and also uh, his comments to Peter King. So uh, if you liked it, smash that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Eric Delala with an A, at Phil Milani with a PH. Uh, leave a voicemail, 707 Neutral Zone. Uh, how do you leave it? 707 Neutral. 707 Neutral. Yeah, that that might be a few. T- that might be an international neutral zone. <laughs> yeah, don't call that. And then uh, you can leave a, a, a an email if you'd like us to read it, but just leave the voicemail. Yeah, neutralzoneshow at gmail.com if you want to, but the voicemails are funnier. Yeah. And uh, we're going to pack it up here. Eric's going to try and carry me back to uh, Denver, and uh, we'll bring you another episode come next week. We'll break down this uh, Vikings game and uh, look ahead to a, a Seahawks game where Teddy Bridgewater will be the starter. Until then, for Eric Dalala, I am Phil Milani. You've been listening to The Neutral Zone. Neutral Zone.